Welcome back to the All Things Bama podcast, powered by BamaCentral.com, your Sports Illustrated source for all Alabama Crimson Tide news and information. I'm your host, Tyler Martin, and I hope you guys enjoyed our last two episodes. We had Rudy Griffin on last Friday, former Alabama Crimson Tide defensive lineman, uh, talking about his journey, talking about his career. Now he's an Alabama high school football coach. And then this past Wednesday, we had James Brockermeyer, one of the um, you know one of the most highly rated offensive line uh, prospects uh, in in the country right now, who just committed to the Alabama Crimson Tide last week. He was on there looking back on his decision, and I hope you guys enjoyed that. If you haven't looked at those, um, haven't listened to those, excuse me, you should go check those out. Um, but now I'm joined by BamaCentral.com writer Joey Blackwell. Joey, I'm glad to have you on here, man. Uh, you know how how are you doing? How are you hanging in there? Or let me ask you this first. Um, how, you know, where's your level of optimism, pessimism, I mean, in terms of college football, because we're another week away, you know, from, from, from those decisions that are made by the Big Ten and the Pac-12 to go conference only, um, the SEC, Big 12, ACC still seem, seem to be hanging in there, fighting the fight, holding on for dear life. What's your level of optimism or, or pessimism for, for the college football season? Um... I would I would say I'm still um, real, real, first off thank you for having me on um, I would say overall I'm still it on a scale of zero to 100 15 up being positive uh, 49 and below being negative I would say in about a you know 58 and a 60 I'm still on the positive side I'm still thinking that there is going to be a season but I don't think at this point with no announcements being made and no um, resolve to stick to you know no announcement that they're sticking to a 12 game schedule um i wouldn't it would not surprise me next week to see all three of the conferences that haven't made announcements yet to announce a 10 game conference only schedule or something like that um the last we heard from alabama of course was that they were looking for another team to replace usc who they were going to face on september 5th in the season opener in dallas um, that's the last we've heard from that, but it's been a, it's been a while since we've had any confirmation of anything from Alabama. And I know it's only been a week or so, maybe a week and a half, but right now it's crunch time and these, these programs are having to organize stuff as quickly as possible. And the fact we haven't heard anything in over a week, that's not necessarily a good sign if the ADs are still remaining in touch with, uh, with Greg Sankey for the SEC. Yeah, you know, and when I got when I got you know wind of oh maybe potentially BYU, um, I know uh, we both have been on Tom Abraham's show, and last week uh, he had a guest on there who was talking about potentially Notre Dame. Greg Byrne got on Twitter, shot that down, and uh, you know, but but Alabama is obviously searching for for that September fifth opponent, and it appears it, it will likely be BYU. Um, that tells me right there, Joey that they want to hold on to that 12 games for as long as they possibly can until they got to give it up. And, um, and you know, I, I think I think that we've got two options here. I think either the SEC, Big 12, ACC come together, and, and you know, who needs a game, right? Because all their games are going to canceling. We're seeing the Sun Belt move. Oh, no, the, excuse me. The Sun Belt actually um, is going to move back fall sports until September 3rd, which doesn't affect football. But I meant to say the SWAC. So, for example, a team like Auburn, who started out their season with Alcorn State, Auburn doesn't have Alcorn State anymore, right? So they're going to have they're going to need to fill out a game before they potentially play North Carolina. Well, if ACC, Big Twelve, and SEC come together and they can work something out, or they can play and say, like, "Hey, who needs the games? We, you know, we'll fill in these games here and there." I think it can be done, and I think these conferences need to come together on that. But I think our two most likely outcomes are um, 
is they're the SEC is either going to play a twelve game schedule, they're going they're going to play it through with you know some realignment stuff like that, or we'll have a conference plus one where they play the conference games on their schedule and they add a non conference game and have multiple bye weeks. We just saw the Pac twelve the report come out about how they're going to have a concrete plan. Their season, I actually I I do like where the Pac 12s direction. I like how they have a concrete plan. This is more than the Big Ten, but mm-hmm. you know they're going to have season opener September nineteenth. Every team is going out at least two bye weeks. They're they're going. There's three possible dates for the conference championship game. They can move it around based on outbreaks, things like that. And I really I really like that plan. And I think that's another good sign for college football happening in some form or fashion. But for mm-hmm. the SEC, I think you know obviously twelve games might not be the most likely. But but I do think that Greg Sankey is going to hold out hope for as long as they possibly can. And um, and you know I, I I I like that motto. I like that I like that mindset um, because I think more and more we're seeing high school sports. For example, in Alabama, uh, Georgia, Tennessee, uh, Tennessee, Florida, uh, Texas, they are all going to play high school football. And the NFL, which we're going to talk to later or talk to about later about Alabama guys in the NFL recently, those sport those high school footballs are going to start on time. And if you've got high school sports going on, you've got NFL sports going on, it's hard for me to, 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 to understand a point coming from, well, we can't play college football when high school football is going on and the NFL is going to happen. Well, especially, you know, with, with high school football, I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't really looked into as far as if they're going to allow fans. I haven't read that much into it, and I'm sure that, that varies from state to state. But, you know, high school football is a much, much bigger um, – undertaking than something like college football in the way that there are hundreds if not thousands of more schools um and the risk for spread could be there now at the same time of course the games are the of course there's no stadium um that is as big as you know a, a brian denny or something like that so they're but you're talking about these local communities and these groups of you know ten, twenty thousand fans that are at these at these tiny games. I know that's a lot, but you, you get the point that I'm making for some of the bigger schools. Um, it's it, you're exactly right though when it comes to this, and you're have you're still having high school football, you're still having NFL, and as of right now, the NFL is still unaffected as far as um, you know editing its season and changing things up. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see how the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 respond. I do agree with you. I do like the Pac-12's plan. I think it's the most responsible move that we've seen from any of these conferences so far. Um, but football, of course, is a big is a big money maker for the SEC as it is for the Pac-12 and and, and the Big Ten. Um, but you know, a vast major a, a vast amount of revenue comes in for these schools from these from football. And, you know, if you tick off a couple of games off the schedule that don't occur, then, of course, every game that doesn't happen, you lose money. So, um, it, like I said, it'll be interesting to see what happens and uh, looking forward to seeing it. You know, right now we're recording this podcast on July 23rd, but it's coming out on the 24th, which, listeners, if you're listening to this on the 24th, that means that the SEC, have, you know, should make a decision within the next week. Um, at least according to the Sankey, they said they'd have an announcement by the end of July, as will the other conferences. And then after that, practices begin. You know, are slated to begin on August seventh. And um, between now and then, even if uh, even if we don't have a decision by August seventh, we'll at least have some football news, and um, things will be. You know, the ball will get rolling. Yeah, um, 
the fans and Al, for example, the Alabama High School Athletic Association said that um, the fan limitation will be left up to the school districts. Uh, and you know, and I, I don't think, to be honest with you, Joey, and there's the and just in the state of Alabama, you know, a lot of schools are starting virtual. I think we're going to see fans at high school. I think a lot of these school districts are going to be like, hey, let's bring back fans. Everybody wear their mask. Um, and so it's just interesting to see how high school football and then the NFL can be a mirror for college football. I do have another question for you, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so the NFL and the NFL Players Association just made an agreement about the daily testing, right? Every day for two weeks when the start of training camp, which happens July 28th, which is one of the reasons why we're about to talk about Alabama guys in the NFL. Well – you go back and look at the uniform standing, you know, the uniform testing protocols that the NCAA have enacted. Well, they're like, hey, if you test positive on a Wednesday, you know, we're not going to play for, you're not going to play, you know, in that Saturday game, of course. Um, but they're, you know, they're not going to do much testing in between a Wednesday and a Saturday. Do you think the the NCAA should maybe adopt what the NFL is going to do about daily testing? I know there's a little, there's a lot, there's obviously a lot of testing going on right now at individual college campuses. Mm-hmm. But when when the season starts, though, I'm I'm thinking that you know because from Wednesday to Sunday, a virus can spread, you know, and especially at college level, um, when you know because like we've talked about before, it's kind of like a bubble to some degree. You can get football players to to do that, but you know at, at the end of the day, you know it is it's a hard task. And it's nearly impossible. So my my thinking is maybe the NCA needs to do daily testing like the NFL is going to do. <clears throat> I agree. Um, I think daily testing is a great idea. Um, it would take a you know a massive effort by these schools, but at the same time, the sport means so much to these schools. It means so much to these fan bases, and it means a lot of money for these institutions. Um, so, I feel like if you know if Greg Byrne was told, "Hey, if you guys do daily testing, y'all will have a twelve game season," I'm pretty sure he'd snatch that up in a heartbeat. Um, I do. I do see the the um, the drawbacks to doing something like that. Like I said, it's gonna be, it would be a massive undertaking, but it seems like the more responsible route. Um, testing nowadays, especially if you're testing such a small group, you know, no more than 120 people. If you're cleaning players and staff um, every day, um, you could easily turn those results around and get them in every day, um, just to make sure that these players are doing fine. Um, but that does seem like the way to go. Um, I'm sure the NCAA will have some sort of update to their you know unified um testing strategy but um i don't think we'll have news on that until i mean i think we would have news on that before august 7th when players can start practicing but um they're probably waiting to see what the sec and the other big conferences are going to do before they reach that decision interesting stuff coming down the pipeline for sure joe let's that is let's, let's go let's go to album in the film man it's 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 been a big week or so for former Alabama Crimson Tide standouts in the National Football League in, in terms of payday. And then you remember last week, uh, ESPN and EA Sports, they did a whole week where they were just releasing Madden ratings. <laughs> and, and that was awesome, right? Like that was – we were at the bottom of the barrel for content, uh, and uh, that's what they produced, and it was great. Um, I want to just go over just a few of Alabama's rookies in there, and I'm going to tell you their Madden rating. And we can also talk about their contract. Um, if they've recently signed it, um, you know, in the last week or so, we can talk about that. But um, I want I want to ask you, and me, I'll chime in this as well. If if the, if, the, if the EA, you know, sports evaluators, if they got it right, so okay. let's start at the, sort of go ahead and start at the quarterback position. We're going to go to Tua Tagovailoa. He is the second highest rated um, rookie quarterback, right behind Joe Burrow. Burrow's a seventy six. Tua 
is a 73. Did they get it right? Um, you know, rookie, first off, you know, Madden rookie numbers are typically lower um, than the than, you know, what a player is projected to have over his career. Um, just because, you know, they're unproven at, at the professional level. Um, it is a little bit difficult to grade. Um, a 73 I find to be a little low. I would actually bump both him and Joe Burrow up a couple of notches. I would I would still keep Burrow over Tua, um, but I would probably bump Tua up to somewhere around an, an, uh, a 78 or a 79 and Burrow up to probably around an 81. Um, but, that, but that being said, um, like, you know, the rookie numbers are supposed to be a little lower. Um, so that's understandable why those numbers are like that. And they're both unproven. So I'm sure, you know, in their second season, if, if, you know, next year, when we're talking about this next year, um, Burrow and, and Tua will have higher numbers because I do believe that both these quarterbacks do have the ability to succeed at the next level. Yeah. Tua was talking to, you know, some local reporters down there in Miami this week. He feels healthy. You know, he's reporting, um, and you know, he, in Brian Flores, their head coach, has talked about, hey, you know what? It might be the best wait and see approach. Um, you just, you just never know, right? Like we know in the NFL, when a guy gets drafted early in the first round, I mean, everybody says, oh, we're, gonna, you know, we're going to let him sit. That typically doesn't necessarily happen. I mean, it happened in Patrick Mahomes' case because he had Alex Smith there, a proven guy. But mm-hmm. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, you know, Josh Rosen, those aren't, those aren't. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, he's a journeyman. You got to give him respect, no doubt about it. But um, Miami's got a decent roster, and, uh, and you know I, I I do think at the end of the day they can they can take a couple L's, um, you know in, in turn in, in you know in preparing Tua and getting him ready for year two, which which I think he'll then take the reins. Mm-hmm. Next up, Joey, let's go to the receivers. This is this is one that was probably the most debatable one. Um, you had you know Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb. Henry Ruggs is the number one wide receiver with a rating of seventy six. Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb are both at 75. Okay. Get it right. Uh, the reason Ruggs is probably higher than both C.D. Lamb and Judy is purely on his speed alone. Um, I can't, I can't see the, the specifics. Um, so I know, but I know that they break down the players by individual skill sets. I'm sure that Judy probably has, a, has better route running scores um, than Ruggs, but Ruggs with his speed um, would would be why he would be ranked higher than the other two. Um, but of course, we all know that speed isn't the only thing in the game. Um, Seventy six, I would also bump him a little higher. Um, I would bump all three of them higher. Um, I actually would have Judy higher than Ruggs just because of his route running abilities and his and his ability, you know, off the line um, and his blocking downfield. But I don't know if they really consider that. Um, when they're making the rankings or ratings, but uh, but yeah, I, I would probably bump Henry Ruggs up to up to probably around a, let's see seventy nine. I would at least get him in that eighty territory. Um, I'm sorry, he's seventy six. My bad. I'll probably bump him up to yeah seventy nine or an eighty. Um, I would also bump. I would probably bump Judy to one point over Ruggs, and I would keep C D Lamb probably around the same as Ruggs. They're both three phenomenal wide receivers. They both performed very well for. You know Alabama for Rugs and Judy and and Lamb for Oklahoma, um, and so it's going to be it's going to be great to watch them this year. We have a really good, really strong wide receiver class this year, and um, both uh, Judy and Rugs should be proud to be the number one and top for number two receiver on Madden. That should be a lot of fun. Yeah, Rugs speeds at a ninety eight, which I mean that's the second highest in the game, rightfully so. 
mm-hmm. Jerry's Jerry's route running, uh, his short route running was only had an eighty. I was I was a little I was a little shocked about that one. <clears throat> Um, but both of these guys, right? Both of these guys agreed to terms with their teams. Um, Jerry Judy's getting about fifteen point two million. I think it's fifteen point one nine two, so fifteen point two fully guaranteed and an eight million dollar signing bonus. On the other hand, Henry Ruggs is getting that sixteen million dollar fully guaranteed contract. It has a fifth year option, and you know it's it's just it was just a what a one a one million dollar difference. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, being drafted twelfth and then being drafted fifteenth. But happy for these guys, Joey. Who do you think? Who do you think has the better season between Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs? I would go Jerry Judy, um, just because of his route running ability. I feel like he fits better into the uh, 49ers. Um, wait, that's used the Broncos. I feel like he fits better um, in that system. Um, now, a lot of it does come down to the quarterbacks. Um, of course, you know, you have Derek Carr, who has been kind of off and on these past couple of seasons with the Raiders. So that could hurt or really help Ruggs. Um, I would have to go with with Judy this season. But at the same time, with Ruggs breakaway speed and we know that um, <clears throat> we know that, the you know, uh, gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on the coach's name for the Raiders. Um, uh, John, Gruden, John Gruden. Yeah, John Gruden. Yeah. We know John Gruden likes to have that, you know, that hard-hitting, high-power, you know, throw-down-the-field offense. He likes, um, you know, some high-scoring games. So um, expect to see Carr throw a lot of deep routes to Ruggs if he can take care, you know, execute that breakaway speed. Um, quick quick question for clarification. So if Ruggs is the second fastest, um, who is Tyreek Hill the fastest player? Um, yeah. It's even 99? Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to know. All right, cool. Tyreek Hill got 99. I, would, I mean, you know, I would probably have – I would have Ruggs above – I mean, excuse me, I would have Judy above Ruggs, but then I would also have Judy above Lamb just by one notch because um, yeah. I do think the two Alabama receivers were the best two. They were the top two um, in, in, you know, in, in the draft class. But I, I think obviously CeeDee Lamb's going to have a phenomenal year. As, 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 as the resident Cowboys fan, I, I got to say that, um, <laughs> and I got to be excited about that. But I do think yeah. Jerry Judy um, a little bit is uh, – you know, is is just it's just a slight a tad bit better. Um, I, I, I mean, I love his hands, and I know. I mean, that's one of the big things about C.D. Lambs. Like his catch radius is big. Um, you know, he can go up and get balls. Um, but I, I do like Jerry Judy a little bit over C.D. Lamb in that case. I do have to ask you, as a Cowboys fan, you know, Dak Prescott, of course, still hasn't signed with the Cowboys, hasn't signed a contract. But look, if you look at his wide receiver talent, I mean, he has. He has both Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb on the team, as well as a couple other great wide receivers. So, you know, what, what do you think Dak is thinking right now as far as, I mean, he has such great talent around him if he could sign, but you should be really excited to have both Cooper and CeeDee Lamb on your team this fall. Yeah, we'll see, man. We will see. It's, uh, you know, this is a prove-it year for Dak, right? He got the franchise tender, um, got that tag done, and, you know, he's getting his $31 million, and that's probably what he would get on. The, he probably wouldn't get close to that on the free market. So uh, I think he's got to, you know, he obviously understands he's got to take what this year will give him, and if he brings some success, maybe gets maybe gets a playoff win or two, and gets out, gets the Cowboys close to the NFC Championship game or maybe a Super Bowl appearance, then now we're talking a little bit of long term. But um, I think this is a prove it year for him, and uh, it will definitely be interesting. But Joey, to continue on the Alabama rookie ratings, you know, I'm looking at I'm looking at the top the nine guys who were drafted, and Trayvon Diggs is at a 69. Ugh. And then Amprey Jennings is at a 67. Trayvon Diggs, you know, he fell all the way down to the Cowboys 
um, in the second round, but a seven, a 69, that seems way too low for me. No, I agree. Um, that's, you know, Trevon, you know, <clears throat> sorry, I was in my throat. <coughs> um, Trevon really, you know, really should, you know, displayed his, his skills and his, you know, how, how great he could play on his senior year at Alabama. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised to see, to see him at a 69, um, out of all the players we've talked about so far, I feel like he's the most misjudged. Like I said, um, you have to think that they are keeping the ratings lower for rookies. I've said that several times now. Um, but he does deserve uh, better than a 69. Um, he's, uh, yeah, that's that's by far the big surprise. I can't really say much more about that. <laughs> Jalen Jalen Hurts had a sixty-eight too. You know, he just officially agreed to terms with the Eagles. What are kind of your expectations for for him for him there? You know, maybe backing up Carson Wentz. I do see him backing up, but I could also see them using, um, you know, kind of having a two quarterback system. Um, you know, Jalen, of course, between between Wentz and Jalen, I think Jalen has the better um, dual threat ability. Um, Jalen Hurts, I believe, is a little bit uh, uh, skinnier than Wentz, but uh, he can get the job done. Um, he And, of course, seeing him play at Alabama for several years, we've been able to see what he can do with the deep ball, um, and we, we've seen what he can do at Oklahoma, too. Um, of course, as with all quarterbacks, can those skills translate well to the, to the next level? And I think for Jalen Hurts, they can. Um, I, I could see, like I said, them using him in the two quarterback system this year. Um, and if if Wentz doesn't have, if Wentz ends up leaving, um, it would not surprise me if within the next season or two, seeing Jalen Hurts being the starting quarterback in Philadelphia. Yeah, Jalen Hurts' contract. I know he got, I think it was close to two million dollars signing bonus, is like one point nine four, and um, you know, two point eight million is four year contracts guaranteed. So Jalen Hurts securing the bag uh, there. Uh, you know, four-year, six million-dollar deal, and that—that's great for him. Um, you know, I've kind of got, you know, he obviously everybody's want to say the Taysom Hill vibes down in New Orleans. It's going to be like that in Philly. I'm not so sure that you know we're not sitting here saying that you know he isn't starting a couple games by the end of the year because of Carson Wentz's injury history. I think mm-hmm. that's a big concern, and I think Jalen Hurts is, you know, Jalen Hurts is one of these guys who will, who will, who will weigh, who will work, who will prepare, who will. You know, he's an opportunist. So when he sees a moment, he's going to seize it. And I think I'm, I mean, I'm not obviously not wishing anything on Carson Wentz. I'm just looking at the history. And Carson Wentz hasn't played a full season in almost three years now. So um, that, that's a big deal. And I think if Jalen Hurts gets his chance, he's going to make the most of it. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be really good or even elite or, you know, I think he might be middle of the pack. But still, though, I think uh, with the weapons that the Eagles are getting now, they got Jalen Rager from TCU. I think that will help. That will help. Um, and obviously Deshaun Jackson, too. So that will help Jalen out a lot. Lastly, lastly, Joey, uh, our guy, Derrick Henry, former <laughs> Alabama Heisman winner, he gets paid. Um, you know, this was, this, was, this was about a week and a half ago or so. He finally gets paid. Big, big, you know, he gets 12 and a half million, uh, which is roughly the fourth or fifth um, highest paid running back in the league. I think that's, you know, I, I think I think he's I think he's in that top five, of course. So I think the money translates to that. It's a team friendly deal. But it was awesome to see Derrick Henry get paid um, because, you know, they're they're paying Ryan Tannehill, what, 30 million. And mm-hmm. uh, without, without Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill wouldn't have had the success he had in that playoff run. So congrats to Derek. I think he's in for another big year up there in uh, in Nashville, and it's just going to be exciting, right? Like, and, you know, he's a guy who gets better with the more carries he gets. 
And so I'm, I'm, I'm excited for what, what he can do with, you know, the contract, you know, disputes that was kind of looming over his head. Mm-hmm. And what a great story with Derrick Henry, you know, coming into the league, you know, the, the, the Heisman Trophy winner, and then having to sit on the bench, you know, or, or play second field to DeMarco Murray. But then, man, once he became the primary back, you know, now he's had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. Um, nowhere to go from uh, go but up. Uh, the Titans really got a steal um, with this. I think he could be paid a lot more money, but at the same time, I understand they reached an agreement, and Henry was a fan of it because it gives the Titans a lot a lot of room to kind of um, pay their other players more money or to bring in some new guys. Um, of course, they've also talked about um, uh, uh, trying to pick up Jadavian Clowney on defense from the Seahawks. Um, there's been a lot, and he even mentioned that uh, that player by name. So, um, really great deal for both parties, and that it can really help the Titans out. And you know, the Titans had an incredible playoff run last year, beating the beating both the Ravens and the Patriots in back to back weeks. Before, of course, ultimately losing to the Super Bowl champion, the Super Bowl champion Chiefs. But um, I have zero doubt that he will continue to perform and only get better in time. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see him as NFL MVP in the next several seasons if he can actually get the Titans to a Super Bowl. It all just depends on them building the team around him, strengthening the offensive line, and getting that defense in check. Yeah, you know he's getting twenty five point five million guaranteed, and you know that's the you know the kid from Uly, Florida, man, making it big. That was awesome. And just the thing, man, he led the NFL in rushing last year, 1,540 yards and 16 touchdowns. And that playoff run was something, you know, even Alabama fans, right? Alabama fans who watched that, they'll never forget that because, you know, he's that connection um, to the Titans. And El Tractor Cito making it big, it was, you know, I just, and he's the rushing king, man. And it, and it fits that he got his money. But, Joey, thanks again for chatting with me, man, uh, here on the All Things Bama podcast, which is powered by BamaCentral.com your Sports Illustrated home for all Alabama Crimson Tide news and information. And, uh, Joey, I hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, and uh, let's, let's pray and hope for a football season. Yes, sir, let's pray and hope, and uh, that's about all we can do at this point. I hope you have a great weekend as well, and th- as always, thank you for having me.